When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When the red light goes... Take two. When the red light goes off, we're just getting started. This is Off Air with Chris Thomas and Mike Conti. Giving you a look behind the scenes of Atlanta's top sports station. As we take you through the top stories of the week from the world of sports and entertainment. Welcome to Off Air. Alrighty then. Welcome, welcome, welcome. On in to the latest episode of the Off Air Podcast. Chris Thomas joined by and I'm Joe, Mike Conti. And Mike, yesterday being Tuesday, was a very, very good day in the A. Even though not all of our teams were playing in the A, results were still the same. It was a great 404 day, not just for 92.9 the game, but the Braves continue their hot start to the season. And the Atlanta Hawks, I want to approach this conversation very delicately without their superstar, Trey Young. Careful. Win decisively, shall I say, against the Chicago Bulls, a team that was fighting with them, against them, for the 8-9-10 matchup as that continues to be shuffled out in the Eastern Conference. And, uh, Mike, I'll leave it at this before we move on to 404-day coverage. In the post game for the Hawks last night, I saw a lot of smiling. I saw a lot of hugging. Don't do it. I saw a lot of jub. I'll use jubilation on the faces of the Hawks. Don't do this. Don't do it. I'm just saying. Don't do it. You know, they have lost five in a row without him coming into last night. You know, um, Yeah, they're going to be jubilant because that was a huge road win in a game that carried a lot of seeding implications. If the Hawks lost that game, there's a really, really good chance they're going into next week in the 10 seed. Yeah. The fact that they won that game, about as low as they can fall now is the nine, and even the nine would be okay because at least you're at home for that, you know, uh, that first elimination game next Wednesday. So that's why they're jubilant. Like, let's 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 not do this. Let's not <laughs> let's not. Uh, we all are thinking the same thing, right? All yep. right, we're all thinking the same thing. Just you know, they're three and five with Adam this year. That's not a very good record. They have lost five in a row with Adam this year. That's not very good. Uh, I think if we learned anything last night, it's that the Bulls really stink. Uh, the the Bulls missed a lot of open looks. They missed a couple bunnies that were really, really important. Uh, Once Alex Caruso got in early foul trouble, 
um, that was kind of a wrap for them. And Caruso, that second foul, that was so vital. Billy Donovan blew his challenge with five minutes to go in the first quarter. Sure did. So, I don't want to take anything away from the Hawks and what they did last night, but um, let's just proceed with caution on this storyline. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about this on Geek and Bell. Yep. For Carl and Mike, their thoughts. Yep. But Trey had, you know, super, super bug or whatever. And, um, you know, he couldn't be there. And his teammates got the job done. So they sure did. Team, right? Yeah. Go Hawks. All right. 404 day. Like I said, a rousing success. So, Mike, uh, on the radio station, we had special imaging made. We were playing music from artists in the city. Jermaine Dupree even stopped by, which was awesome. You can check out those pictures. Uh, at uh, the game on Twitter and Instagram and the whole shebang. Why was it important for you as brand manager to make sure that we represented for the city on that day? Well, you know, 404 day, the origins of that are kind of interesting. And it started during the pandemic and very, very early in the pandemic. You go back to, you know, late March, early April of 2020, when all the lockdowns were pretty much starting. Very, very scary, uncertain time in our, our country and in our in our world and in our yeah. city. And I, I thought the the sports teams, and I don't know where it started. I, I, I'm not sure if it started with the Falcons and Atlanta United. I, I think it may have, but I'm not positive on that. Uh, but one of the, the teams in town uh, decided to take April 4th and basically do kind of a social media blitz uh, about, hey, Atlanta, we're still here. We're going to get through this. We're going to be okay. Um, I want to say some of the athletes may have even done part of the narration. Mm. Uh, it was just, it was a really nice kind of uplifting social media post more than anything. It was just a, a, a tweet, a video they tweeted, but it was very, very uplifting at the time. And uh, I think it got a lot of very positive reactions. So by the time we got to 404 Day in 2021, then we're looking around here at the radio station. We're trying to think of, okay, how do we really lean into 404 Day? This is something that our teams have started. Some of the teams that we partner with have started. How do we help them grow and enhance it? So look, Atlanta, Georgia changed my life. Um, I love this city. I'll, I hope to never have to leave it. I, I love this place. Uh, if this is a way for us to kind of advance a love letter for the city of Atlanta, I'm all for doing it as a radio station, but I think it's just fun. I think it's a fun way to be a little bit different on a day. And yeah, playing Atlanta music and having special imaging, there's nothing really significant about April 4th on the calendar. Um, it does come during a really fun time in sports where the Braves are getting going and they have their home opener this week. And the Hawks are making their final push, and we have the Masters going on, and a lot of fun things, but there's really nothing truly noteworthy or significant about it being April the 4th. It just gives us a chance to do something different, and I think when we do something different, we have a good chance of making a, an impression on our listeners and not just doing uh, you know, the same old, same old content every day. So chance for us to have a little fun, nothing profound, you know, no, no money being raised for charity, nothing being given away, nothing being awarded or anything else. Just a chance for us to have fun and kind of reflect on, you know what? We're pretty lucky yeah. that we get to live here. We're pretty lucky that we get to live here. And there's a reason why 
so many artists and uh, musicians and athletes and movie stars and TV stars decide to live in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, cost of living is great. Weather is awesome. Uh, the city has great amenities, great food, great restaurants, great places to hang out. Let's celebrate it and yeah. um, have a little fun doing it on the radio. Um, just as an, an anecdote, so one, um, not one of my favorite uh, musical artist, he's a uh, DJ and producer by the name of Pretty Lights. Uh, his real name is Derek Vincent Smith. He announced yesterday that he was coming out of a nearly 10-year retirement. He okay. retired from uh, music and touring in about 2014. And yesterday, he made a big social media post with his team, and he announced that he was coming back. And he's kicking off his tour with a nine-city run. And where's one of the stops? Atlanta. Got to right be right here in Atlanta. Coming for a three-night run at the Eastern. And, Mike, you may have noticed last night, I already put in for vacation. Because so I'm that's going I'm going to see my favorite. I have not seen him perform live since 2013. And I am taking time to go see him in all of his glory all three nights. And I cannot wait. But that you know, just we, goes to show you Atlanta is one of the places you got to go. And we talk about cool places in Atlanta. Have you been to the Eastern before? That's where he's performing. It, and have you been there before? Oh, many times. Okay. It's awesome. the best concert awesome. venue in the, yeah, in the city. Awesome venue. The Hawks did their draft party there uh, last June. That was my first time there. We had Jermaine Dupree in here yesterday as part of 404 Day. And, you know, I think Jermaine Dupree was kind of expressing a lot of the things we're expressing here about just how passionate he is about this city, how much he loves it, and how much he loves the teams. Uh, he's going to do a show at the Eastern coming up pretty soon, he said. That is a really fun venue. It's awesome. Um, it, it's uh, take Uber. I, I don't recommend yeah. parking there, but <laughs> it, it is a little tough to park and, and take. Not a problem for me. <laughs> yeah, no. It, yeah, you, you could. Yeah, I don't know if you could walk there from where you live, but it, that'd be a decent walk. But take Uber. Uh, but no, the Eastern's awesome. Uh, and if you get up in that like first balcony mm-hmm. where you're right on top of the stage and you can get right on the rail there, really, really great um, place to catch a concert, a show, or or just hang out and have fun. That's a free ad for the Eastern, but I, I really do <laughs> love that. Center stage down the street's another one. Really, really great, intimate concert venue. We've got a bunch of them here in Atlanta. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think the Tabernacle's great. The Fox is a little bit bigger. The Fox is an awesome place to catch a show. Really, really cool kind of throwback place to to catch a show. I saw John Legend there. I think one of the best outdoor concert venues in this country, in the country, is in Atlanta, and that's Chastain Park Amphitheater. Mm. Uh, And if you get it when the weather is nice, and you get it when the bathroom lines are short, (laughs) um, it doesn't get any better than that. It's like catching a, a top-level concert in the woods. Uh, and you can bring your own food in. A lot of people bring their own, like, kind of picnic setup in. It's just a really chill, fun place to catch a show. And as long as the weather's comfortable, you can't do any better than that. So, again, an embarrassment of riches that we're spoiled with here in Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. And I cannot wait. I, the countdown is on August 24th. 
All right, Mike, from some uplifting stories to an unfortunate one, but it prompted me to think of a question where we can honor some of the greats in entertainment. Uh, Last week, late last week, one of my favorite actors, Chris Hemsworth, who plays Thor in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, announced that he is semi-retiring, quote, from acting. He's taking a much more uh, bridge schedule with the movies that he's going to put out. Um, because it was discovered that he has a rare gene that links him to be much more diagnosable for Alzheimer's disease, which is obviously a tragic disease. If you or anyone you know has a loved one who's been affected by that disease, it is, uh, you know, there's no words, no words to describe. So he's going to take some, take the time and focus on his health and make sure that he does everything he can to keep his body and mind right to, you know, hold off that diagnosis for, Hopefully it never happens, but um, definitely at least for a long, as long as possible. So that prompted me to think, who are some of the artists, athletes, musicians that hung it up before you either got a chance to see them in person or you thought that they had more left in the tank to perform? Um, and I thought we'd just reminisce for a couple minutes here about that. The one that jumps to mind for me because he was so popular growing up with my generation is Kurt Cobain. I obviously never got to see him perform with Nirvana. They peaked when I was a little bit too young. I was pretty much a preteen at that point, but I would have loved to have seen Nirvana in concert and seen how their music would have evolved over the years. That's a great one. Um, This is going to sound a little controversial, but hear me out on it. Michael Jackson. Uh, Me, I mean, look, Michael Jackson had some, personal things that were bizarre at best and, uh, you know, potentially much, much worse than bizarre at worst. But the guy was a heck of an entertainer. Mm -hmm. And um, the, can you imagine if Michael Jackson, Chris, you know, he was, he was going to do, I think the tour was called, this is it or something like that right around the time (laughs) he died. It wasn't a tour. He was going to do a residency in London. Imagine then if he would have graduated from there to maybe doing a residency in Las Vegas. Can you imagine how cool it would have been to catch Michael Jackson in Vegas? Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe he would still, he, would, he was a very talented guy, an incredibly hard worker, which, um, you know, reportedly is one of the reasons why he got himself into, into trouble with medication because he was working so hard. Uh, I think it stands to reason that he would have cranked down a lot more music. Um, And there was kind of a a timeless nature of his music that, you know, even the stuff he was turning out late in his career, I thought were, were bangers. They were real hits. So look, Michael Jackson's a a odd bird. And uh, (laughs) I mean, he had a lot of very kind of odd habits about him, but as a musician, I really admired him and loved his work. And I wish that he was still with us because I think we would still be enjoying his work, not all the off the stage stuff, yeah. but his work, uh, you know, well into this decade and beyond. 
separating art from artists is the phrase that gets thrown <laughs> out all the time. And by the way, there's about a 99.9% chance I'm going to clip you saying that was a banger and that's going to be played on Dukes and Bell for a long time to come. Well, hold on. Let me do it in the clear then. That was a banger. <laughs> you heard you heard it here. You heard it here first. Look, look, I mean, everyone hated Remember the Time. I thought that was a banger. I love that. It's a great song. Um, you know, black or white. Love that. Like, yeah. if you look at the halftime show from the 93 Super Bowl, the the Cowboys-Bills Super Bowl at the Rose Bowl where Michael Jackson did halftime, one of the really great halftime shows of all time, maybe the greatest, next to someone else who I think would definitely fall on this list. And that's Prince. Prince. Yep. You know, um, and Prince, again, kind of ironically, his final live performance was right up the street from here at the Fox theater. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, you, you talk about someone who was still at the very top of his game and was so elite that he didn't have to pressure himself to, to, you know, do things he didn't want to do. He didn't have to turn out albums just to make money. Uh, he didn't have to tour just to make money. He was that good. He could work at his own pace and have his own creative process and and do as much or as little as he wanted. Um, so Prince absolutely is, is someone who falls in the, the gone too soon. And again, this isn't like a Chris Hemsworth deal where guys are retiring. We're talking about people passing away. It's, I think, a little harder to, to find examples of artists, entertainers, musicians who retire because that doesn't really happen a lot. Yeah. Maybe it happens a little more on TV. Like, uh, I'll give you another one, David Letterman. I mean, he did decide to retire, and I think he was still at the top of his game. Yeah. Um, you know, I and Johnny Carson even, and I was a little kid when he retired. I think it was only 11 or 12. But, you know, Carson, I remember his last year on The Tonight Show, he was still making me laugh. He was making me laugh big time. Um, he absolutely w- would be on that list. Um, two comedians who uh, died tragically and very, very young, but two comedians who I wish were still with us because I just thought they were hilarious, Chris Farley and Phil Hartman. Yeah. Man, I mean, can you imagine if Chris Farley was still alive today and, you know, maybe still doing sketch comedy or doing more movies or something like that? How lucky would we be uh, if we could get one or two more laughs out of Chris Farley and the, the same with Phil Hartman who I thought was just you, you know it in a, a dry way like maybe one of the best dry comedians of all time certainly of our generation um you know it, it it hurts that we aren't able to enjoy them anymore again not because they retired because they passed away but um it, it it's a long list it, it's a good topic it's it's a really long list and and what really gets you is when you see people who are at the top of their game uh either retire or involuntarily you know lose the ability to to entertain us we don't have the time but uh in the sports world the the obvious number one is michael jordan depending on what you believe about what happened there and then uh guys like barry sanders come to mind calvin johnson i mean there's a list of guys who hung it up early in the sports world too yeah barry sanders that that's the one for me uh barry sanders and that kind of started the trend unfortunately of of 
running backs who really couldn't go more than 10 years. Um, that that was the shocker when Barry Sanders retired. I mean, I think Jordan, he kind of got the sense when he had his first retirement that, you know, maybe maybe there were things going on where his heart w- wasn't really quite in it anymore. So it wasn't a shock when he retired the second time. Barry Sanders was one that, that really, that floored me. Um, you know, someone at the very, very top of his game, someone who was setting records left and right. And I want to say Barry Sanders was the first team all pro the year he retired in 1998. I mean, he, he, he was, was still yeah. absolutely at the top of his game. Bobby Orr, it, you know, I, I'm too young to remember this, but Bobby Orr was someone who, had to retire at a very young age due to injuries and, you know, one of the great hockey players of all time. Uh, Andrew you know, Luck hockey. just happened with him. Andrew Luck, yeah, to a lesser extent. I mean, I don't know if I'd put Andrew Luck on, on the level of, like, the absolute greats, but, again, someone who who stepped away at the very top of his game to, to kind of, um, you know, pursue other things. Um, yeah, I mean, even, even in auto racing, I mean, Jimmy Johnson retiring mm. when he did. Um, uh, you know, someone who dominated the sport of NASCAR. Not everyone who listens to us is a big fan of NASCAR, but th- just another example. It's a really good topic. Um, Bo Morgan is in his office right now. His ears just perked up. There you go. Yeah. No. Right. It, well, it's past <laughs> o'clock. Those probably gone. But uh, uh, but no. Um, it, it's a good topic. I, and I want to go back to the Chris Hemsworth thing for a moment because, um. Alzheimer's has touched my family in a, a very terrible way. Uh, and it, it, it is a horrible thing. And I just, I absolutely wish him the best. I, it, I know there is a test you can take. Uh, in fact, it's funny. Jim Nance once brought that up to my brother. My brother works in communications for the Indianapolis Colts. And, and Jim Nance does a lot of work with an Alzheimer's foundation. And, and Nance told him, you know, you can take this test and find out. And, uh, my brother had the same answer as I. I, I don't want to know. Right. I, I don't think I would want to know that. Uh, that was very brave of Chris Hemsworth to take the test. If if I have the gene, which you know I think there's probably a pretty decent chance I do, um, I don't want to live in fear of it. I, I I think I would rather just live in ignorance of it, which I guess yeah. is even worse. But um, you know, God willing, hopefully, um, you know, we make medical advances where our generation and future generations don't have to suffer the same way that the prior generations have just been, uh, you know, profoundly suffering with Alzheimer's. So for Chris Hemsworth, I, I wish him the absolute best. Yeah. And uh, unknowingly, or maybe knowingly perfect segue by you because our final topic of the day, Mr. Jim Nance, no yes. other than Mr. March madness himself. Now he uh, signed off for the final time. We're going to play that in just a second. And, uh, I'm excited to share with you my opinion on the changing of the guard because I okay. think they, they have the perfect guy to slide in his One thing I learned through all of this is everybody has a dream and everybody has a story to tell. Just try to find that story. Be kind. You told it better than most, let me tell you. Can I tell you one other thing? I mean this. I'm to try to play off hello friends. But to you, everybody in the college game, my CBS family, my family, all the viewers, thank you for being my friend. Well done, Jim. Well done. You got us all at the end there. Not a dry eye in the house. Because for a lot of us, and me me and you are, are not, you know, 
We're not 20 years apart, but we're a generation apart. And he is still the voice of college basketball for both of us. So, you know, he touched many, many people along the way. And, you know, he's still going to do golf and football. Yeah. But he's he's incredible at what he did. He really – so a couple things about Jim Nance. Um, incredibly nice individual. I hope everyone knows that. Like it, the on-air persona that uh, he has – um, notwithstanding, because I actually kind of thought that that sign off was a little, a little extra, in my opinion. Really? Was, wow. Well, hold on a minute. Time out, time out. Love the man. I thought maybe just a teeny bit extra. Wow. Um, shocked to hear this, honestly. Yeah, like it just a little, a little jazzy, little, you know, uh, find a story to tell. Thank you for being my friend. Like just, this is Jim Nance saying so long that that would work fine for me. Or wow. uh, actually, you know, who had a really great sign off when he left ESPN was Brent Musburger. Brent okay. Musburger left ESPN to um, go work for, I think, a, a toad service in Vegas or something like that. I think he started it, actually. Yeah, the ESPN network. He started it, that. Yeah. And, and he said the way he signed off was um, I've had a great time doing this. I hope you'll come out to Vegas and see me, and maybe we'll have a beer and get, uh, share a win together. I'm like, yeah, okay, I like that. I can relate to that. Anyhow, all, right. all that being said, Mike Conti, not a fan of the sappy sign-off. That's well, what we learned I, I, today. And see, I was even afraid to say that because I knew, that, <laughs> you know, that would that would maybe take attention away from what is really important, which is that Jim Nance is a really, really nice guy. Yes, and I've had the pleasure of seeing some acts of kindness by Jim Nance that I'm not going to elaborate on because I, I don't think he would want me to elaborate on it. But sure. when I worked in Savannah, um, you know, I covered the golf tournament on Hilton Head every year. Jim Nance would call that tournament for CBS. And uh, let's just say there were many kindnesses extended by Jim Nance to people on the Hilton Head community who he had developed friendships with. And uh, seeing that up close and personal really really impressed me so um deep admiration for him as a person you say you think of him as your childhood voice of college basketball which is true i know this sounds crazy because a lot of people are very loyal to keith jackson or brent musburger or Vern lundquist there was a time chris in the late 80s and early 1990s where cbs had the best college football package ABC had the Big Ten and Pac-10, and that's it. Okay. CBS had everything else. Wow. Okay, so think about it. In the late 80s, Notre Dame, Miami, uh, Alabama to an extent, Penn State, uh, Oklahoma, Nebraska, the uh, Colorado, those were the teams running college football in the late 80s and early 90s. If you wanted to see those teams play, it was on CBS. And Jim Nance was the lead college football announcer for CBS in 1989 and 1990. Huh. So those were kind of my formative years watching college football, and that's where I will always associate Jim Nance. He came back, he had a second run as the number one college football voice on CBS in 1996. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it, when CBS got the SEC back and the Big East back, it, it, CBS was out of college football from 1991 to – 
basically the bowl games in 95. And then out of nowhere, they got the Fiesta Bowl and the Orange Bowl. And, you know, there were a couple of championship games in there. But before Sean McDonough took over in 1997, Nance had a second run as the lead college football announcer on CBS, where he did the SEC game of the week for one or two years with Terry Donahue. So I strongly associate Nance with being, uh, you know, one of the premier voices of college football. Now, all that being said, the guy who's coming in to replace him, I think has given more to our industry mm. than anyone else I can think of. Anyone else I can think of. And, uh, you know, I have the pleasure of meeting him in Brooklyn under a very kind of unfortunate circumstance when Bob Rathburn fell ill and I had to fill in for him on some Hawks games. And, and one of those games was in Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, the, the, the man that you're going to talk about, Chris, Ian Eagle, I, I, was very lucky to tell him in person how much I appreciate he's given back to our industry through his sports casting camps, his mentorship of, of lots of young broadcasters, mentorship that he's offered to me personally, which means a lot to me. Uh, I like it when good things happen to good people, and I like that a good thing is happening to Ian Eagle. Yeah, he is simply, as the song says, simply the best. Um, yeah. He, you know, being being where I'm from, New York City, you know, and knowing his journey, he's one of the originals that came up through our sister station, WFAN. Started as an intern, right. uh, did everything from cutting tape to producing overnight shifts to, you know, doing updates, hosting, and then eventually rose through the ranks to get to where he is now. And he is, I would say, humble almost to a fault. He is so right. nice, so kind. Anytime you reach out to, I have a 100% response rate from Ian Eagle. Anytime I've ever asked him to come on a show, he, whether he can or he can't do it. And to he say gets that, it. yeah, because he's been in your seat, he's yep. been the, the producer and the booker. He understands and he understands the importance of paying it forward. And then when you talk about his actual on air work, I think there's no one better in the game today for any sport that combines analysis and humor yeah he is so good at that you half the time you think you're listening to the number one team for whatever sport you're listening to and then the other you know half you, you think it's a night at the improv and i mean that at the best way possible because he is genuinely hysterical but yeah. he's and this is a little personal but he's my kind of funny he yeah. is slick Yep. Sly, he'll, dry. he'll stitch a stitch a line in there that you got you have to be paying attention in order to get it. And if you're listening close and you pick up on it in that instant, it's hysterical. So I couldn't be happier for him to see him take over. And I know it's gonna be different than Jim Nance, but his flavor I think is gonna add to the college basketball game in a way that we maybe have never seen before. Agreed totally. Um, I think he's one of the best currently doing it, it right up there. I, I'm a huge Sean McDonough fan. Uh, I'm a big Kevin Harlan fan. Uh, I think Ian Eagle is is one of the premier announcers of our generation. I'm glad now that he's finally getting that that big event call. I think when Nance fully retires, you'll see Ian Eagle get a chance to do a Super Bowl for CBS, which I think yeah. is richly deserved. I mean, when, when CBS got the NFL back in, 1998, I, I want to say Ian Eagle was like on their number five or number six crew with Mark May. Uh, oh, man. So talk about someone who's 
paid his dues and climbed the ladder. And uh, he's got to be enormously proud of his son, Noah, who uh, at age 25 is going to be the lead college football voice on NBC with Todd Blackledge this fall. And And does the radio for the uh, LA Clippers Clippers. as well. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, his, his stock is rising in the NFL as well. So, like I said, I, I like seeing good things happen to good people like Dave Pash. Uh, who's ESPN announcer, does radio for the Arizona Cardinals. Really, really good person. Uh, glad to see when good things happen to him. Our Tiffany Blackman, another one. I love seeing good things happening to good people and how she is really climbing the ladder at ESPN. So really cool for Ian. And look, Nance, God, you talk about kind of a weird retirement. He's still working 40 weeks a year. Yeah. We're going to do all the, the golf and, and the football. So, uh, I don't think people realize Nance really only does college football about four weeks a year. He parachutes, like he doesn't do any of the regular season games. Right. He comes in for the Big Ten tournament and he does three weeks of March Madness and that's it. So, you know. It, Good gig if you can get it. It's a great gig if you can get it. <laughs> now, back in, um, back in the early 90s when um, CBS didn't have the NFL, like uh, during that that period where they lost the NFL and um, they they didn't have the NBA anymore, they lost that in 1990. Nance was doing more regular season college basketball then, but but really since uh, you know the mid 2000s, he he hasn't been doing that for a long time. And on that note, that'll do it for this edition of the Off Air Podcast. Thank you for being a friend, Chris. Yeah, exactly. Well, Mike, uh, Mike Grumpy Gills Conti. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Conti nine two nine. I am at C Thomas Radio, and along with Boom Yakamakis, we now have that was a banger. We'll catch you guys.